0: Good morning Grove Christian Fellowship. This is Pastor Steve Lewis and it's my privilege of being with you again. I want to say that um, good morning Grove Christian Fellowship, the best place to be on a Sunday morning. Um, it's one of my favorite memories and I am privileged and um, blessed to be able to share with you in these few opportunities. It seems like we are, as a nation, individually, um, in desperate need to hear from God today. Um, it's always important to know the mind and the heart of God. And, um, in all the areas of our life, uh, seeking his will and guidance in every decision that we make, but especially in these days of our national uh, needs and issues with the virus, with the pending election, with finances, unemployment and all, I know that a number of the fellowships there at Grove stand in need of physical uh, healing and uh, answers to prayer and I I am so grateful to get the prayer requests and to keep up to date on what are some of the, the needs and issues. We want to know the will of God for our lives. And for that we must go to Scripture. And so I would invite you to um to listen uh and maybe have a, a notepad um, to write down these scripture references so that you can refer to them later. But the Bible sets forth the power of God's Word to accomplish God's purpose. Time and time again, the Scripture tells us what the mind of God is. In Hebrews 4.12, For the Word of God is quick, that is, living, and it's powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. The Old Testament records in Jeremiah 23.29, is not my word like a hammer that breaks the rock into pieces Isaiah 55:11 says so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth it won't return to me void but shall accomplish what i have intended I have a a longtime friend goes all the way back to high school. His son um, lives in Colorado, and I saw one of his posts on Facebook this past week. It pictured his wife with their three kids around the table uh, in the process of doing homeschooling. And there at the, underneath the caption, uh, and by the way, I'm guessing the three kids to be in the age range of 8 to 13. And the dad p- posts this note with the picture that says that they just discovered that they had, that the children, 8 to 13 had never been taught to use a dictionary. It seems like today we are um, where we are because we have not been taught some of the basics. Uh, The skill of being able to use a dictionary, I think, is very important. It teaches the children to... um, to look at words uh, alphabetically and so on but with the use of the google search and all uh, wikipedia and all uh, a dictionary paper book form seems to have gone by the wayside but as far as the scripture is concerned the word of god is quick and powerful um it is our counsel. If you would listen to the reading of different portions of scripture, and again you may want to jot them down for looking at them later. <coughs> Proverbs twenty-two six. Start children off the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Deuteronomy 4, verses 9 and 10. Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. Remember the day you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb when he said to me, Assemble the people before me to hear my words so that they may learn to revere me as long as they live in the land and may teach them to their children. Deuteronomy four, uh, 6, four to 9 Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. He's going to repeat that basic message again in chapter 11 verses 18 to 21. Later on in the Psalm, Psalm 119 beginning at verse 1, we get more instruction in the benefit and the blessing and the power of God's word where the psalmist said, blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. They do no wrong but follow his ways. You have laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. Oh, that I may All that my ways uh, were steadfast in obeying your decrees. Then I would not be put to shame. When I consider all your commands, I will praise you with an upright heart. As I learn your righteous laws, I will obey your decrees. Do not utterly forsake me. And then down in that same chapter, down into verse 99. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Your commands are always with me, and make me wiser than my enemies. I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. I have more understanding than the elders, for I obey your precepts. The power of God's word in our lives. Without it we are left to our own imagination. Think about what Paul said to his young Timothy in Second Timothy three five. Timothy, mark this there will be terrible day terrible times in the last days. Listen, Are we in the last days? I think so. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents. Ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. With all the things that have been said and will be said um, in this political season, Paul just identified a rash of things that are very contemporary. Paul went on to say in 2 Timothy 4.3, For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. My question to you who are listening, God's Word does accomplish God's purpose. Do you believe that? Do you bow unreservedly before the power of the Word of God? Do you respect it or do you pick and choose that which you will follow. Do you praise God knowing that the Word of God is never defeated, never inadequate, never comes up short? I think you would agree that the church today stands in need of revival. We need to come before the Lord to listen to his word, allow it to speak truth to our whole being. And where there is sin, we must be ready to confess it. I think one of the greatest portions of scripture that give us a window of repentance is that found in the book of Jonah. Uh, you'll recall that Jonah was a very interesting kind of guy. He got a call from God to go to Nineveh. But instead of going to Nineveh, he got a ticket for a boat ride in the opposite direction. So first, God has to bring his prophet to a point of repentance. His own man Needs repentance. And eventually we would see that he does have a repentant heart. And that's called revival. For those um, within the, the family of God, we need reviving. We're people who belong to him but have gotten away from him. We need reviving. We, re- we need renewal because we already belong to him. Jonah had deliberately disobeyed God when he was called to Nineveh, going in the opposite direction. But um, God caught up with him, not that he was really ever out of God's sight or control. God sent a storm. Jonah was cast overboard. God had prepared a fish to swallow him alive but after three days even the fish couldn't stomach him so the Lord had the fish to spit Jonah out on dry ground God calls Jonah again saying get up Jonah and go to Nineveh that great city so Jonah goes to Nineveh He declares God's word, and that word brings the people of Nineveh to repentance. When people of God are repentant and used by God to go and share the word of God with the unreached, that is called evangelism. That's what the church is called to do, is to take the word to the world. Notice the reading of, of Jonah, chapter 3. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very large city. took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he arose also from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with gunny sack, and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink. But Let the people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may... Yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. We're going to find out even in a later passage that Jonah still had some unresolved issues. He really didn't want to be there even after he had arrived. He grumbled against being there. And in a conversation, God said to him, And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from the left? Wow, what an amazing summary statement. I I think that you and I would agree that we can see ourselves very much like the people of Nineveh. You know what Isaiah said in chapter 5 verses 20, uh, 21, woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and clever in their own sight. Doesn't this passage and others that we have shared already make for a pretty good summary of who we are in our nation today? And I don't know that it's because people have lost their way I fear they have never known the way and if they have they have drifted so far just like we talked about from the book of Hebrews a couple of weeks ago that there is a real danger of drifting either you're marching and going forward with God or you're falling away from him. And that is a very, very sad thing. You remember Israel when Jeremiah told them in chapter 6 to ask for the old way? What was their response? They said very defiantly, we will not listen. We're not interested in the old way. We'll not listen. Nineveh, on the other hand, the scripture says, Jeremiah says, from the least of them to the greatest. Jeremiah said this in chapter 6, from the least of them to the greatest, everyone deals falsely. But in Jonah, the, the people outside of God's family, when they heard the power of God's word, in their ears says the very opposite from the least of them to the greatest they all heard and responded. Um, just for your information the, the, the men of Nineveh in that day were infamous for their cruelty and their barbarism um, but now they are humbled under the word of God. Nineveh was no worse than you and I today. Um, God's grace for all of us is a marvelous wonder. God's grace works through the power of the word of God. Just for your information, Nineveh is the is is uh, the country of Iraq that you would perhaps recognize. So we're not Iraqis. We're Christians of 2020 living in the USA and we are in desperate need of revival. We are in desperate need of renewal as a church so that we can go out and evangelize the unreached millions of people in our own nation. I know in this political season this may be a, um, kind of a, a tongue-in-cheek, and yet I wonder if there's not a lot of wisdom in it. Ecclesiastes 10.2 The heart of the wise inclines to the right but the heart of the fool to the left. Well, let's consider uh, today the repentance of Nineveh. How prompt was Jonah's obedience? Um, Jonah, when he was spit onto dry ground by that great fish, went immediately um, to Nineveh. He had been cast from the stomach of that fish, and it doesn't say anything about him taking a shower or anything. It just says that he immediately went into the city, a city that it takes three days to go across. But he went one day into the city, and there he began to preach. Um, Do you see the difference in the repentance that Jonah has made Jonah comes to the great city miles across he doesn't pause to study the city to take um, to get the demographics to figure out the percentage of women and children Um, he just goes into the city a day's journey and begins to preach 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Um, He didn't creep into the city, but rather he was strong and courageous like Joshua had told Israel to be. He was strong and courageous. He was bold. And he proclaimed with a very loud voice uh, the words that God uh, proclaimed. The thing is, and here, here, here's I think important something important. Jonah had experienced revival in his own area of life. He recognized that he couldn't outrun God, and so he landed with a sense of purpose. You and I, we must be aware of God speaking fresh, new words to us every day. Because an empty vessel can't pour out blessings to anyone. If you don't have something, you can't share it. Jonah, Jonah's own person, his appearance, goodness, I don't know if he still had seaweed hanging around his neck as he was standing there preaching. I imagine that some of the stomach acids of the The great fish may have uh, left some blisters or what I don't know, but surely he spoke personally of his own experiences. Sounds like a Celebrate Recovery testimony to me. He spoke to the people of Nineveh about the things that he had seen and heard and uh, bore witness of, but his preaching was what God put in his heart. A preaching that summoned men to God's judgment, and they realized the evilness that was in their life. He explained to them the violence that was in their hands and how it appeared before God. He opened up to them the law of God and showed them his standard. Well, Jonah's preaching cut across the grain of that society, and they, their hearts were convicted of their wrong, and they responded. Um, he said to them that they were proud and arrogant, that they believed that they had attained their own uh, way of life, and that that they were all okay. But Jonah said, you are not independent, you're not in control, it's not just you. You're God's creation and you're going to be held accountable uh, before God today. And so um, the bottom line is, and the thing that we've got to recognize is when God speaks We do not have the option uh, to pick and choose. We've got to listen to the whole counsel of God. And we can't afford to kind of wink at a situation and say, Oh, surely he won't mind if I just kind of tweak it here or there. Listen to what Proverbs 10, 9 to 10 says. Whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but whoever takes crooked paths will be found out, and whoever winks maliciously causes grief, and a chattering fool comes to ruin. We must turn. We must turn from sin. When we hear the Word of God speak truth to us, we must respond well I, I, I just wondered how some of the people in the crowd might have looked at this preacher perhaps a very novel kind of thing they're not used to seeing someone standing up shouting the way he was maybe some of them would mock him or laugh or play with him Maybe some of them even wanted to tar and feather him. But the scripture says they responded completely differently. Instead, we see in Jonah 3.5, So the people of Nineveh believed God. And they proclaimed a fast. They put on sackcloth. Even the king took off his robes, covered himself in ashes. Did you notice that even the animals were to be left unwatered and unfed? Everyone was to be included in the fast. And they began to cry. And I I think that it was more than just a sobbing kind of cry. I think that they bellowed and cried out with their hearts broken for their sin. How can you explain that? How can you explain such a reversal in uh, in behavior? I think it's because of God's mighty grace that was made known to them for the first time perhaps through his word. The Bible says concerning the word of God in Acts 13.48, as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. God's word is powerful. We read from Hebrews, it's powerful, more powerful than a two-edged sword. Um, I imagine that day in Nineveh, the people got up uh, like they did on any other morning. The men went off to do their business. The merchants put out their Wheres the farmers were in the fields, the women were doing whatever they did, but then the message began uh, what was was being heard in the town square, and it spread like wildfire among the people. I know in California, you're having great, great difficulties with those wildfires. I would just say that I wish today that the churches of California and our nation would get on fire for God. That we would have a a prayer time of repentance and renewal. That we would become an evangelistic uh, church. To reach out to people, well, some might ask if the the um, renewal that the people of Nineveh was real, Jesus identified them in the book of Matthew chapter twelve and Luke eleven when Jesus was dealing with the Pharisees and the Pharisees were trying to trick him at every turn, and they rejected the message that Jesus preached. And uh, they and, and yet when when he spoke their their conclusion was Wow well, here's a man that never spoke as this man speaks today. But they, at the same time, where they, they were saying, Show us a sign, then we will believe you. Uh, they were always, always trying to put an end to the ministry of Jesus. But Jesus said that the men of Nineveh will rise up in judgment with this generation and will condemn it. Because they repented at the preaching of Noah, and behold, a greater than Jonah is here. So if the repentance of Nineveh had been uh, insincere, Jesus would not have identified it. In Jonah 3 5, we read, So the people of Nineveh believed God. Um, Jonah was not a perfect man. He was not a perfect messenger. But you know what? They looked beyond the messenger and heard the word of God. They heard the incredible uh, truth that Nineveh would be overthrown if they didn't turn to God. And in fact, they did. They exercised a true faith in God. And so repentance is when you believe in God, not some great power in the sky, not a benevolent force over mankind, um, not the messenger. God has commissioned the church to preach the Word of God, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And this morning, or whenever you're listening to this particular message, I have shared with you a number of scriptures, and I would hope that when you can get along, uh, alone perhaps with the Word and kind of reread it, I would encourage to do so and to meditate on it. And my question would be, do you believe what God is saying? Do you understand that when you are not dealing uh, honestly before the Lord, you're, you're living in sin? As the church, as your church is now looking for a pastor to come, I pray that you will find a pastor who will believe the word of God to be the word of God and to depend upon the power of God's word. That it will be, he will be an individual who will speak the truth in love. That every time he stands to open the word of God that he will preach without compromise. Preach to us that God is God. And that if we repent and believe in his son and choose to obey him, turn from our sins, we will be in the center of his will. So this morning I would ask that we would all have a a spirit of repentance. That uh, we could see that something is happening and changing in our lives because um, we can go through the motions, but it's it's the attitude of the heart that is going to make the difference. We're going to turn away from evil and we're going to start living in the power of his spirit. Note this, that the sin most characteristic of of Nineveh, what they were known for was their violence, their plunder, their warlike swagger. I'll take what I want when I want. Sounds like some of the characteristics of people today. And you know sin expresses itself differently in each one of us but ultimately it's all all pride. Um, It may be a sexual indulgence, selfishness, you may have difficulty with greed or jealousy, perhaps you envy or you're just plain lazy, maybe you lack love for one another. Maybe you're caught up in materialism. Repentance was found in Nineveh in that they wrestled with God in prayer. They cried out to him in forgiveness. And the scripture says that they turned from their evil way. And they said that perhaps God would even relent and change his mind. You see, the grace of repentance is not only a sorrow for sin, but it is a hope in the mercy of God. Where else can we go? So, this morning... Yielding to the power of God's word. That he will forgive our sins. That he will renew a right spirit within us. That we can know that we know we have a relationship with him. That's the call of the hour. So Father, this morning, help us to be in a spirit of surrender before your word. Help us not to question what you say. Help us to receive it in faith, trusting that you will make your will known to us as we walk by faith. Father, I pray for the needs of the church, that you will Reveal to the leadership and ultimately to the whole church, the man that you have in mind to come and shepherd and to preach your word. And we pray that that individual is even being prepared now to come with the power of your word to bring life and health and purpose. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.